Welcome to the Brand Design Masters podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build the skills you need to design bulletproof brands for yourself, your business, and for the clients and customers you serve. And now, here's Philip. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Brand Design Masters podcast. This is Philip Van Dusen, your host. And I'm really excited today because I am here with Vaughn Glitchka. And Vaughn is a creative director at Glitchka Studios, a small two-person design firm located in the Pacific Northwest. Glitchka Studios creates designs and illustrations for global brands and small businesses to expand their creative possibilities, facilitate their brand engagement, and help their businesses grow and thrive. And I've been uh, looking at Vaughn's work for years and years now and have been always very impressed by him, and I'm super excited to have him on the show. So with that, welcome, Vaughn. Thank you. Glad to be here. So why don't you tell us a little bit, share just a tidbit about your personal professional life that would allow the listeners to get to know you a little bit better. Well, I went to, I learned everything I do traditionally. So I went to art school. When it started, it was the Burnley School of Art, and then it was bought out by the Art Institute. So I was there. And so it kind of transitioned over the uh, about two and a half years that I went through the program. And um, it was just visual visual uh, communications was the program. So it was all graphic design, advertising kind of focus. We had illustration, but it was kind of before schools like that had a focus for a, a program geared for just illustration. So they expected everybody to draw, everybody to, to do illustration, whether or not you wanted to do that after you graduated. So... Um, I kind of, that's, I didn't have anything to compare it to. So the way I learned is kind of the way I teach now. People think it's a little unique and I'm just going, well, I don't. <laughs> it's just the way I learned how to do it. So um, yeah, it's, they, they encourage people to, um, you know, develop their, their drawing skills or illustration skills and then leverage it for uh, design purposes. So that's, kind of sums up how I learn, but it also sums up everything I do now. So so your your formal education was kind of a communications, a catch-all kind of communications course, it sounds like. And so when you got out of that yeah. and you just decided, well, illustration is the thing that lights my fire the most, and then you started kind of focusing in on that. Talk about those no, early I, years. I, yeah. The, I mean, the first job I got after, well, when I graduated in um, 86, it was a, it was like a economic slowdown at the time. So it took me eight months to find a job. And the first job I got was just a hole in the wall screen printer up in Tacoma, Washington. And I worked there for a little bit over a year. And then I started, I got a job at, um, it, it's strange when you think about it, it's all before the internet. So my friend would call me every Sunday night. He lived in Montana, went to school with me. And he'd have me read off for him all the classified ads for job openings. And so I do that. Well, one night reading it off to him from the paper, um, I saw one that I liked. So I didn't share that with him. I just kind of <laughs> kept, that for my, kept that for myself and uh, uh, applied for that job, which was at a sportswear company. And um, I got that job and I worked there for about, about four years and then uh, that's about the time I moved down to Oregon and uh, t- 
took a senior design position at a small agency in town and worked there for about seven years and then um, was offered a job at Adidas America, but it just, I, di I didn't want to move to Portland, so I turned it down, and about a year later, I moved to California, and that's where I started working for Upper Deck and working with Major League Baseball and NFL, all those licenses, so that was a lot of fun. And then I worked there for about three or four years, and kind of missed the Pacific Northwest, so we moved back here. I became an art director at a local agency in town, worked there for about about two and a half years until I came in one day, it was a Monday really early, and they had my boxes packed. <laughs> so wow. uh, apparently, the, the long story short, the, the owner of that agency, every one of his employees had bailed on him and they were all at this other agency in town. Well, that agency had contacted me a couple of weeks prior to that and offered me a job, but I had turned it down already, but he got paranoid. He just saw the email where they invited me. And um, so he's reading my emails when I was oh, home nice. sick on Friday. And so I come in Monday and, you know, here's your check. We're letting you go. And so uh, that was kind of my baptism by fire to kind of start doing my own thing. Um, and I, that was 2002. And so February 2002 is when I decided to just stick with it and see if I could make it happen. I always wanted to, but I was too chicken to kind of take the leap. And this kind of forced me. And uh, so that's where it started. It started local clients and I just started replacing local clients with um, you know, better clients and growing and marketing my services. And so now my daughter works with me and most of the work we do is for people outside of, you know, I live in Oregon, so most of them are outside of Oregon State. So when you were working in the various agencies, I mean, I could certainly, I used to um, run the t-shirt uh, graphics division for Old Navy for about a decade. And so I know the t-shirt industry very well. And so I could totally see your design style being used on the apparel industry. I mean, it just makes perfect sense. And so when you were working at your at the agencies, were you doing uh, you know branding, graphic design, logos for yeah. other companies? So it wasn't totally illustration focused. It was more kind of broad graphic design. No, actually, it, it, illustration only came into play when like we needed it within the <clears throat> excuse me within the context of whatever we we're creating. And I had, when I went to art school, we just kind of, nobody ever explained that this is where you contact or look at a source book and contact an illustrator. So we just did it. I just thought, thought do it myself. And um, it was early 90s. A, a friend of mine was working at the agency. I got him a job there. And um, he pointed out an ad for um, a publishing company that's looking for an illustrator they could farm out work to. And that was the first time I ever kind of saw that that could really be a way you could either do it full time or like a side gig type thing. And I had, um, I had sent them some samples, but they had sent a letter back saying it, it's almost, it wasn't like no thanks, but it was like, well, we're not sure. And so I thought they weren't interested. So I go, okay, fine, whatever. 
and then like a couple of weeks later, I get another letter and they said, are you going to send any more artwork to us? And I go, I thought you weren't interested. Well, no, we just weren't interested in those things. I'm going, well, those were just samples. I wasn't trying to sell you those. It's like, <laughs> and so I went ahead and did some new art just to show them something that I knew would be available and they liked them. And that's when I first started thinking about so I started doing illustration on the side more than I was doing in work. Um, that said, when it comes to designer illustration, um, I, I couldn't pick a favorite because I really love doing logo design because it's more of a solving a mystery of sorts. Mm. It's like the, I, I have to, you, you kind of have to investigate who you're doing it for, who their audience is what they're trying to achieve and kind of figure out a good solution that's going to um, kind of solve the, solve the design case, if you will. So, so, um, you, so you initially started working kind of, it sounds like, uh, not completely planfully with agencies. And so did you continue to work through agencies or did you start getting going direct to the client? Um, most of that work that I did outside of my day-to-day -day job was, um, I had a rep that contact, or I... Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, that if you used an illustrator rep. Yeah, there was a rep out of Canada called Three in a Box that I believe they contact me at some point. And no, that's right. I was, because I was uh, doing the design at the agency, uh, this the early 90s, I started getting their mailings for their artists that they rep. And I liked how they were handling that. And I go... Yeah, this would be fun. I'd love to do this. And they're the ones I originally contacted and I thought they weren't interested. And then once they saw something they liked, they they brought me on. And so that's when I started doing and most of the time it was work for other agencies, but it was through them since they were my rep. And, okay. Yeah. Um if you were to talk to a, an illustrator who's just coming up now, would you recommend that they that they work through a rep? that they find a rep that would, would uh, shop them around? Or do you think that they should go straight to the agencies or even straight trying to find clients directly? Uh, you know, it, it's a lot has changed since I did it. Um, there's because of social media, all the, all the people who hire people for illustration, they're already, it, it used to be an art, uh, an uh, art director would tell an art buyer in an agency, okay, we're doing this. I need somebody who could do this or this, and they'd describe what they need. And then the art buyer was responsible for sourcing out people to get quotes. And then the art director would look at those sources and then pick the one he thought would work. Um, it, it still works like that sometimes, but most of the time now, the art directors are just curating the stuff themselves. And art buyer is kind of a, is kind of position that doesn't, except for the really big clients, they don't mm. really handle most of the client work anymore. So um, I think I see people I know who do illustration and design or both, and um, I see them going directly to the clients or going through an art rep. I've always kind of handled an art rep as I don't mind having it, but I, I can't like. I don't want to depend on it. I want to do my own seeking out and whatever I find on my own. Uh, that doesn't go through my rep. That's just, you know, I did the the legwork for it. But anything he brings, I, I think it's a good thing. But if you're going to look for a rep, the best way to do it 
is figure out what you like to do because some reps only focus on like um, editorial and you might not want to do editorial stuff all the time. So find a rep that fits the type of work you want to do and then look for a rep who doesn't have anybody that they already rep that kind of covers your style. Yeah. Yeah. Or your look and feel because then they'll be more interested in taking you on. Right. Have you ever, uh, you mentioned source books um, earlier. So like illustrator annuals for com arts, or they used to publish huge print source books for illustrators and the illustrators themselves would buy a page or buy a couple pages and put their work in there. Did you ever do that? Or does, is that even a thing thing now? Well, again, so much has, has changed. So I teach in a master's program in the summer in Hartford art school. And I kind of handle the marketing side for creative people and kind of show them how they can uh, put their message out and how to use social media to kind of build a following, that kind of stuff. And one of the talks I do for that, I kind of show them that this is the way it used to work and with source books, but anymore now, they're still around. There's still a few around. A lot of them have died out. Um, That's really not the way people are sourcing out work anymore. And so... It was, I did source books for, it was seven or eight years in a row. And then it was 2008 when the, the, the housing bubble collapsed and there's the big economic issue going on. Um, I just didn't have the money to put out another, at that time, I think is like $1,700 for a page. Mm. And, um, and, and, and at that time, it got to a point where you used to pay like 1500 1700 you get a page, you'd be in a book, 800-page book, so you're one of 800 choices, but they would send you a stack of about 1,000 tear sheets professionally printed, and you could use those to promote. I like that. Then they got rid of those, and it was just the book, and then they did it twice a year, so you had to pay the same amount for two times a year. And so when it came to 2008, I'm going, you know what? I'm not going to do it this year. And I was a little uh, concerned that I wouldn't get as many calls. And then after the end of the year, I realized it nothing really changed. It's like, so once you do, so I don't think they're a bad thing, even though they're still around, I don't think they're a bad thing. It's something you might want to try just to get your name out there so it stays in front of the people you want to hire you. And then at some point, you can spend that money better on other methods for promotion, whether it's, you know, direct mail or whatever. Direct mail is still one of the best ways to kind of get a captive audience. When you're in a source book, you're one of 800 choices. If you do a really clever um, mailing, um, I've received mail from, um, who's the illustrator, out of uh, Joey Ellis out of uh, Florida. Um, he did a promotion years ago where it was just a postcard. Now, I'm an illustrator. I'm not going to hire him to do my illustration, but I liked his postcard campaign so much I wanted to get it. So I had him um, mail them to me because it was clever. It was just a, you put all the postcards together and they form a train. It's a monster train. He has all these characters. So there's a lot of fun things you can do to really capture the the curiosity of a like a a, a creative director, an art director. Um, just to give you an idea, I was working at Upper Deck at the time and I decided to do a promotion. This is back in 
1998, something like that. And I did a t-shirt, illustrated this graphic illustration of a butcher holding a piece of meat. Well, my rep at the time was three in a box. So I made like, you know, the bone in the meat kind of look, okay, that was the O for box. And it just said three box. And it just said, let me butcher your project. And, <laughs> and then I took those, I took those, I had like 30 shirts printed. I took them, wrapped them up in a, in a styrofoam boat that a steak would come in. And the guy in the local grocery store shrink wrapped them for me and then gave me a roll of USDA choice stickers I could put on it. And I put these fake uh, labels on it and I sent those out. I got all kinds of work from that. And it was, be and I had one director, art director call me up, asked me if I could send him another one because another art director had stole it from him. <laughs> so if you can think up like some crazy, clever, creative promotions, uh, there's easy ways to get lists. Um, I used to say just go to Info USA, but they recently branded. I, I never remember the brand, but if you go infousa.com, it'll take you to whatever their new brand is. Uh, great way to buy lists. Don't go through like agency access because they seed their list. Mm. And so you can only use it one time, whereas Info USA, you buy a list, you can use it as long as you want. Oh, okay. So, and they're pulling it from the same database. So, um, they can focus in and do really good analytics on, um, I've used it for client work when we've done direct marketing for them. So if they want to target a certain audience, like who has an income bracket of this much and this zip code, they can nail down a mailing list. So it's really effective. This episode of the Brand Design Masters podcast is sponsored by Bring Your Own Laptop. BYOL.me is a top-tier Adobe application video training website featuring Daniel Scott. Daniel's a certified Adobe trainer and keynote speaker at the Adobe Max conference every year. At BYOL.me forward slash Philip, you can learn everything from the basics to advanced aspects of your favorite Adobe applications, all for one low monthly subscription fee. Visit BYOL.me forward slash Philip. P-H-I-L-I-P. Again, that's B-Y-O-L dot M-E forward slash Philip. I just know you're going to be amazed at Bring Your Own Laptops courses. Awesome. So if there was, a, you know, illustrators listening now, there are obviously a whole lot of websites, portfolio websites that, um, that artists and designers are on. What are the two or three that you think are the most the most important for people to have their portfolios on if they need to um, post their portfolios in order to get to get work? Um, I, I probably think the best way is is be consistent on social media and share it. Rather and, than and, putting your portfolio on a site like Behance or something like that to post on social? No, I think you should. I sh think you should have both. But I think social media, think of it this way. Social media is like the sandwich boards for promotion. Okay. And your website is the restaurant you're trying to get them to go into. Um, so that's kind of the way I think of it. And um, I think uh, Adobe um, has a great now with, if you have a, most illustrators, designers have a, a creative cloud account. So they're going to get a free um, Adobe portfolio site if they wanted it. So that would be one easy way to do it. Uh, Behance is another one. Um, and my site, I used to 
develop it myself using WordPress, but that kind of got at times it would somebody would hack something and then a plugin I was using wouldn't work. And so I kind of gave that up years ago and switched to Squarespace. And once again, I was a little concerned that my analytics would take a hit only to discover um, like it does such a good job. It, I don't know. I'm super impressed with um, Squarespace. They just make it easy. And if I can't figure out how to do something, um, all I do is I just Google, you know, whatever I, I just google my my search query um as if i'm asking a question as somebody who uses squarespace and i can always find the code to yeah, do, to do it. Yeah. yeah so you have done a lot of teaching i mean you used to have a lot of courses on linda and then linda was kind of usurped or brought into linkedin learning and you've got a over a dozen or two, it looks like, courses on LinkedIn Learning. When did you start doing um, video courses? Um, I had just done my first book called Vector Basic Training in 2011, and the publisher wanted me to do another one, and I had had the contract on my desk for a few weeks, and I was hesitant to sign it because the process was not fun to put the first book together. And um, I was contacted by somebody that I had done book cover designs for, for his books on Illustrator. And he said, hey, I'm heading up the, he's the one that headed up the creative uh, content for lynda.com and asked me if I'd want to do that, explain how it works. And I go, God, that sounds like a lot more fun. So <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. So I, I kind of turned down the contract on the book and, did that and yeah, I really enjoy it. Um, by the way, Linda, uh, who founded Linda.com, I first met her at an illustration conference years before that. And I even learned when, because I use freehand for, I was a diehard freehand user. And then the day Adobe bought uh, Macromedia, uh, I saw the handwriting on the wall. So I learned how to use Illustrator, the fundamentals of Illustrator. Uh, by buying a lynda.com uh, DVD back in the day. <laughs> and so that's how, I, that's how I initially learned Illustrator myself. But yeah, so I started doing stuff for them in 2011. And then it was about a year and a half after I started working with them that a venture capitalist came in, invested like 20 million. And then is another year later, they, they sold lynda.com to LinkedIn for like, is there a two or three billion or something like that? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And then shortly after that, Microsoft bought uh, LinkedIn. So um, technically, if you want to look at it, all of it falls under the banner of Microsoft now. So yeah, the small fish always get eaten up by the big ones over time. That's for sure. Yeah. So what would you say is your, in promoting your own business, what is the most important platform for you? Um, I, I would say most of the leads that I get um, come from social media. Probably Instagram would be the most. and um, Or the, at least that puts me on their radar screen. And then I'll get a call from somebody who works at some place. And they say, hey, I've been following your work. I've been waiting to have a project to work with you on or something like that. And that's usually kind of how I get contact. So most of it is word of mouth, but they originally see it, uh, see, see our work on 
um, social media and then visit my site and then that might that usually gives them more context of what we can do because um, there's a lot more stuff on our site than I ever post on social media so so what kind of clients do you work with now do you have um, any kind of favorite industries or categories that you work in yeah um, there's one client I've been working with since it's about 2000. 11 or 2012 or something, but he, um, former Marine, but he's um, just a brilliant coder and technology expert. And back in the day, he had already had his company branded, but for one reason or another, he found me and I started doing his marketing and advertising. Uh, they would come up with new technology products for, it was all based off of um, kind of, it, uh, network security systems, so like threat assessment or um, or certain kinds of protocols to control like mail servers, that kind of stuff. And so they would come up with pretty clever product names for different software they were developing. And I did all the branding for that. Try kept bugging them to let me like at least refresh his primary brand because I didn't like it. And he finally let me do that. And then he developed that company for seven years. And then he turned around one day, turned around, uh, turned it around and sold it to the Department of Homeland Security's contractor for threat assessment called FireEye. And then he became a VP at FireEye. So I kind of lost my client. He became a VP, kind of cashed out um, on that. And so I tried to talk him into, hey, Tell them to let me redesign them because they have a cool name, but their logo, like their branding just blows. Their marketing's not good. He tried, but they didn't really, you know, hey, we already got the defense contract. What more could we need? <laughs> yeah, you know, exactly. that kind of thing. We're on the gravy train. And so he kind of went, that client went away for a couple of years, but I did a lot of work for him. And then he, he left the company, wanted to start another business, focus on new area of technology. And that was on um, artificial intelligence for, once again, for threat assessment. Um, and he comes up with really cool names. Um, he's, he's really clever in the way he thinks because he goes, you know, I was reading this article on uh, dragonflies and their, their visual sight. And it can almost see 360 degrees. And he's going, so I want that to be our brand logo, some kind of dragonfly thing. And so that was basically, and he he's the kind of client where he doesn't have to fill out a brief. We don't have to talk for endless hours. Mm. He just know he can get he knows he can give me the basics, and I take it, and run with it. And so I branded that. That was called Counter Strike, and he ran that for four years. And it was March of this year. Um, I was on LinkedIn looking for something. I saw a post comes up. wasn't even from him. It was from this technology site that just bought him out. And so I'm sitting there just looking at my logo and this announcement this site made, and I'm just going, okay, this guy's two for two now. Mm. Um, he's two builds two products up and then sells them. I go, that's interesting. I go, I, I wonder. I, I should contact him, find out what he's doing next. Yeah, I, yeah I never exactly. Did. And then it was June of that year, uh, this year. He contacts me. He goes, hey, I'm. I'm starting in our business and this is what we're going to focus on. Now he's into artificial, no machine learning and robotics for the agricultural industry. 
and it like software to drive it. And and I'm thinking about this. And so uh, his name's Randy, by the way. And so I branded that. He came up with the interesting name again for that. Um, we branded it. Um, we got all that done. And then before I invoiced him, I'm just going, what, what's it going to hurt? I'll never have this opportunity to ever do this if I, I mean, the worst he'll say is no. So I, I set up a call with him. I go, okay, Randy, I, you know, how long did you run Impulse before you sold it? And he said, seven years. And I go, it only took you like, oh, how long for Counter-Strike? He said, four years. And I go, and you're doing it again with this one, right? He goes, well, yeah, that's my goal. And I go, how about this? Um, you give me a stake in your company and you get the branding for free and I'll do all your marketing until you sell it. And I thought he was just going to say, well, thanks, but no thanks. You know, he goes, sure, I'll do that. And um, he told me that he's gotten friends and families involved in the last two companies where he did the same thing. And so that's the agreement we have. So it's my first time in, you know, what, 20 years that I've actually, I, I have a different kind of arrangement now with one of my clients that I've never had. And, and I mean, worst case, it doesn't go anywhere, but you know, it, best case be, you cash I, out. <laughs> Or, or at least just get paid a whole lot more yeah. for a logo branding sure. and marketing than I would if I just build it. So, but I, I also just like the guy. He's a really nice guy, and I trust him. So, yeah. I wouldn't do it if I didn't trust him. <laughs> so, looking from the outside, you know, young illustrators look at Von Glitschka and say, "I, you know, how could I ever possibly get get there?" If you were talking to a young illustrator who's you know, three or five years out of school is trying to figure it all out. What would your advice to them be? My my advice, if you're getting out of school, don't try to think you can just immediately start. It, it's going to be really hard to just jump into freelance and think you're going to be able to make a living right away because you're so new to it. You don't have any really real world experience. There's so much you can learn from going to work with somebody and seeing a, a creative director or art director that you work with as a junior designer and just kind of learn the ropes, learn how do you approach certain things or how do you handle certain clients that do certain things. Everything um, I experienced when I worked as a junior designer, senior designer, art director, creative director at different companies kind of taught me marketing. It taught me how to communicate with clients, how to uh, resolve problems or, you know, just all the, the things they don't teach you in art school that you only learn by going through. And it's a lot easier to do that when you have a paycheck coming in, but you're still able to learn that. So get some experience and then, you know, after five years or so, or four years, whatever, uh, you, you, you feel like you have a good grasp on it, then there's no reason uh, not to give it a try, but you could also be freelancing uh, during that time too. And that gives you a lot of good experience as well. Um, I always, I would never accept a job if if they ever asked me, I had one, one time they asked me when I was interviewing for an art director's position, well, do you ever do freelance? And I go, yeah, well, we don't allow freelance. And I go, why? Yeah, I just push back, you know, just go, why? Why don't you allow freelance? Well, we want you to be focused on the job. But if I'm doing it on my own time with my own resources, 
why is that any of your business? And and usually when you put when I push back, they go, well, as long as you're doing it on your own time. Well, of course, I'm not going to come to work and work on my freelance stuff, right? Yeah. So, young illustrator looking at you from the outside, they they're saying, how could I possibly get there? What kind of challenges have you faced in your career? It can have all been roses and smooth. So, where have you stumbled or needed inspiration or a mentor to get to the next level? Where the jogs have been? Yeah, two two things. The first one is. I took anything and everything when I started my own business. I mean, when I went into work that day and they had my boxes packed and they handed me a check, it's like my wife was a stay-at-home mom. I had two small girls and uh, we just moved into a house and so we had a mortgage and I knew I didn't have a paycheck coming in. So it was kind of scary. Um, so. I wasn't too picky about what I work with. So I looked locally, uh, looked at a business who businesses who were spending money already, but just not doing it very well. And I, I figured out, you know, if they're already spending money, you don't have to convince them to spend money to market. You can just approach them from the standpoint that you can help them be more successful at that. And therefore they'll make more money without spending more than the budget they already have. So kind of working with looking for small businesses I could approach, work with. And then as I started marketing more, and this is where those source books came in, I started I put, started saving money aside so I could buy a source page, put a page out, and then you'll, you'll always make your money back on the source books, by the way. But that started giving me a little further reach and name recognition, if you will. And then as I started landing those, then I wasn't so desperate to have to take every little client project that's local and I could kind of put it into that. But I, you know, I still, I just got a call this morning where some guy somehow found me locally and he wanted me to take a, some old lodge logo and vectorize it. And I was just like, well, it's not really what we do, you know? Yeah. I, I, pushed them to a print shop. So start small, start local, look for opportunities, look for companies who who do what you like to do. I mean, that's the best way to stay motivated to be after somebody is if if you know a, an independent publisher or whatever the genre or industry is and you like it, then, you know, that would definitely be what I would start promoting to. And then in terms of... Um, understanding how to promote yourself, how to run a business. Um, one of the best things I ever did, and actually, ironically, it was one of my clients that referred them to me. Um, um, one of the small businesses that I originally started working with, there's this little cafe. I branded them, did their menu, would update their menu. Um, and then I got to be friends with the owner. His name is Dave. And, and he said, hey, Vaughn, you should check out the small business management course at the local community college. I think you'd like it. And so I looked into it. It was like, I think at the time is like $400 a year. And you go to like 20 some classes. They have guest speakers. But the part I liked was every month, the head of that program would come to my business and for an hour just understand where I was at, how we did things, and then he would audit everything and tell me, okay, you're not, this is how you should format your invoice. 
knowing what you do for a business, then these should be the terms you have for payment. All these things that I had no idea about. And, and um, we became friends. His name was Jim Colby House, but he was a VP at Gallo Wine and Coca-Cola. So he knew what he was talking about. Um, but he also kind of, he kind of, he became a mentor because he took me under his wing and explained a lot of things that really helped me uh, not creatively speaking, just the business side of the, the creative work, you know, just putting all our ducks in a row. So um, it's easy to to take care of things that you just just routine maintenance for running a business. But um, almost every community college will have a program like that that you could look into. Did you do that early in your career, mid-career, or when did you pick up the business, the, get more focused on being organized about running the business I part? think, like, I started in 2002, and I think it was either at the end of 2002 or the beginning of 2003 that I signed up for that. And, and it's only supposed, you only have to go through one year to learn everything, but... Um, I kept signing. I did it for five years straight. Mm. I just stopped going to the classes and just to have him come to my house once a month and pick his brain about stuff. That was more than worth it. So Now, chances are many of you listening might have first come across me via my YouTube channel. Building my presence on YouTube has done more to build my personal brand than any other platform. So I want to share with you the one resource that was critical in growing my channel. It's a YouTube plugin called TubeBuddy. TubeBuddy is a freemium browser extension that you use to manage and optimize your YouTube channel videos. It saves a massive amount of time doing the mundane tasks like adding cards and managing your video descriptions. But it also provides incredible value through its video analytics, showing you data about your competitors' videos that's absolutely invisible without it. It also helps with adding metadata to your videos so they show up better in search. If you want to take your YouTube work to the next level, you have to get TubeBuddy. You can support this podcast by signing up through our affiliate link. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen. It's easy to remember. Just type in TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen to check it out. By adding TubeBuddy to your video workflow, I guarantee you your channel will grow much, much faster. Just go to TubeBuddy.com slash Philip Van Dusen and sign up for TubeBuddy today. How does Vaughn stay inspired? Uh, um, pe- people will ask me questions like, well, I don't draw very good. How do I become a better drawer? And I go, well, just don't try to draw things you don't like. That's not going to help, you know. Um, I don't like drawing horses, so I don't draw horses really, but um, they've always intimidated me um, in terms of drawing them. I think they're cool in terms of being an animal, but um, yeah, the way I stay inspired, it's kind of, I get curious about a lot of things. So like on my phone, if you go into my notes app, I have all these different lists I put together. I'll see a book. I have no idea what it's about, but something intrigued me and I'll write it down and eventually I'll read it. And so I, I read a lot. Um, I made a goal. I realized last year I made a goal 10 years prior to read 300 books and I'm at like 400 and something now. So I just get curious about stuff. So I, I want to read about it. I love history books. Um, so, so fiction, fiction or nonfiction in the books? Uh, both actually. Um, the David McAuliffe books, they're always nonfiction, but 
I read one on the pioneers, which is about the settlers moving westward from the original colonies, and they went up to the Ohio Territory. And then there's this really weird part of this one chapter where it says they, these guys were going out to find homesteads. And so they, when they were out in the middle of nowhere, um, they find these like ruins of some structure in uh, these mounds. And they go back and they ask the local uh, Indian tribe that had befriended them, um, did you guys make that? And the, they said, no, that was here before we got here. And that, and and then there is a little footnote. So I looked that up, and it, it it led me down this rabbit trail that was really fun. It was like I found out there is this whole pre-civilization before Native Americans were in North America, mm. and up north it was called the Hopewell culture, and down south it was called the Mississippian culture. And they nobody really knows what happened. Uh, some of them speculate that they migrated down into the Central America. But then when the Native Americans came over the land bridge and started settling elsewhere, it's just, it's that kind of stuff I like. And, and that kind of opens up my mind. Recently, um, I used to use um, an RSS feed to just get all this these cool articles from all these different things. But it just doesn't work as good as it used mm. to. It's like nobody does RSS anymore, which was an easy way to curate information. But lately it's been just reading up on Egyptian stuff and kind of getting into the headdresses that all the Egyptian queens. And so I've been doing some, I actually have one illustration that I started on. I haven't finished it, but it's kind of based off of that. So yeah, it's kind of all over the map. That's it, interesting things. you say that because I can, I can, I was just looking at your Behance portfolio and I was, uh, I noticed that there were, there were a lot, what I remember anyway, there was a lot of these character drawings that were kind of in square formats and they reminded me in a little way of like Mayan, you know, building blocks of the kind of Mayan, oh, yeah, the Mayan characters that, that they used to, yeah. you know, format yeah. around buildings. Um, that's really cool. Even even that's that's my modern culture project. I've been doing one a day for this whole year. It's been a lot of fun. But even that, I last year there was a sound engineer from he worked at Disneyland or Disney World, and on the side he would carve tiki's. And somehow he found me, and he wanted me to brand him. And he goes, "But is there a way you could make the logo so it's?" It works for tiki's, but also sound engineering. <laughs> and I'm going, I'm going, and in my head, I saw what I could do. I go, yeah, you know what? I think I could do that. Well, I did that, and I loved it. But he hated that one. But he, he wanted something more simple, and I, uh, whatever. So I gave him the simple one. We got done. But I had so much fun creating that other one. That I'm going. This was kind of the process I used. It was all strokes, and I expanded it, and so on. Um, I decided to do more, and then that's what led to deciding to see how many I could do for this mm. year. And yeah, so I I'm starting this little segment of my podcast called the uh, Rapid Fire Round. So I have ten questions I'm going to ask you in very quick succession, and um, I and then one big one at the end that will tie off the uh, the end sure. of the show with. Okay, you ready? Yep. What's your spirit animal? <laughs> 
Uh, well, I'll go back to third grade where a Native American lady came to class and gave us all a spirit animal name. And my friends got cool ones like Roaring Bear, Fighting Badger. I got White Fish. <laughs> okay, so a White Fish. Okay, morning person or night person? Uh, definitely a night person, although I'm trying to change that because it's not good for your health. Beach person or mountain person? Probably the beach. Dog or cat? Um, I like both, but we, we always, we have cats. Okay. Um, what's your secret talent that most people don't know you can do? Um, I, I know a lot about koi ponds. Um, I, I deal with all of our koi, but, um, I love to write. So I have a lot of creative writing I do, but I don't really share it. Okay. Now favorite song of all time. It would have to be probably. I'd say a journey song, any of them. Okay. Um, I can't pick one, but and anything journey, I'll get stuck on it for a few weeks. So. Okay. What's the one thing that you would love to master that you haven't mastered yet? Uh, probably, I, I would love to master animation with uh, Adobe After Effects, but I never find the time to even attempt it. Okay. Who's your hero? In in design? No anything oh well in life i'd have to say right jesus but if i had to pick historically and it's only because i read a book of a, of him recently uh on um uh, john adams the president mm. he was that guy was amazing so yeah probably, probably right now him i i hardly ever have favorites people ask me what's your favorite thing you've worked on and it's usually the last thing i worked on so i'm kind of that way when it comes to this in other areas okay so what's what's the one thing that you would tell your 20 year old self uh completely comprehend and understand compound interest and start investing okay that's great that's a very good one okay so this is the final one do you have a personal mantra or a manifesto that you try to live your life by? Not, uh, well, yeah, um, nothing that I created though. I would, there were years ago when I was working at Upper Deck, I'd listen to the radio all the time and there was a guy talking, he made the comment that a friend of his that would interview people for a job. Um, it was against the law to ask him anything that was distinctly spiritual or anything like that. And so, he figured out a way he could get a good gauge on somebody by just wording it differently. And so his question was this, and that is, what's your bottom line motivating factor in life? Hmm. And that's kind of what your questions make me think about. And so if I had to answer that, it's like, I'd probably just go with the, the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Very good. Well, Vaughn, it's been awesome having you on the show. I really appreciate your coming and sharing your experience with us. Um, where can people find you? Where do you want people to go um, if they need some more Vaughn? Just head on over to uh, glitchstudios.com. Um, you'll see all the work that me and Savannah create. There's a section on samples. You can download stuff and see a lot more. Um, Check out the links in my bio because that's where I have a couple of hidden things that I don't really have a page for. But um, so you can check out all my modern culture stuff through a link um, in that. Ooh, Easter eggs. Love that. Well, Vaughn, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's great to talk to you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. 
If you'd like to help support the Brand Design Masters podcast, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, if you want to stay up to date on all our content, products, courses, and live video shows, head over to philipvandusen.com slash muse and sign up for the Brand Muse newsletter. That's where we share all the latest news, resources, articles, books, and videos that we recommend to help you build and improve your creative practice, personal brand, and business. That's philipvandusen.com slash muse, M-U-S-E. Thanks again for listening. Bye for now.